All right, so why don't you guys ready to get started today? You know, this, you know, about a week, you know, about a week ago now, I had this opportunity where, you know, my, my wife and me, we decided that we were going to get out of the house and actually go out on a date. Okay. Uh, you know, it's something that, you know, most people are thinking about, you know, hey, I do this on a regular basis, you know, but it doesn't always like work out that way. I that's so rare that, that it deserves a clap. People are clapping for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we don't date enough. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. So, so anyways, so we decided, you know, we were going to go to the show and, you know, we, so as an evening went on, we went to the show, we went out afterwards for tea and, uh, you know, just had a, had a great evening. And it just kind of made me, you know, started, you know, thinking of a whole bunch of memories that just started kind of spurring up on me about, you know, going to the show, you know, because back in the day, you know, when we first started dating, uh, you know, in our earlier years, uh, you know, this is going back a little bit of time now, but we, we ended up, we were, we were at the theater almost every week. How many used to go to the show like all the time, you know, where you could actually, you know, buy tickets at an affordable rate and, you know, buy popcorn and it didn't cost you, you know, you know, three, you know, a hundred dollars, you know? So anyways, we, we would go all the time. Every weekend we were pretty well at the show and, you know, there was all these different. And then after we go to the show, we, we, we'd have these experiences afterwards. We'd go downtown and we'd go to a coffee place and, and, you know, we, we'd, had drink coffee and tea and we'd be out with our friends and you know playing songs on the jukebox right you know in the coffee shop sherry was always you know always remembers you know i used to always listen to bon jovi every week it was like all right what's brian gonna listen to brian's gonna be picking a bon jovi song and uh and so it was just like all of these kind of just memories kind of just came up it was like do you guys know like there's a different experience of watching a movie in the summertime versus watching a movie in the wintertime you know, it's just like, like even getting out or walking into the theater, you know, where the sun's setting, or it's like you got that chill, the brisk, like all these different things were just kind of in the memory, memory lane. And it just really, it was just a lot of reminiscing, I think that, you know, kind of took place over, over the last week. And it was just one of those things where I was like, ah, I haven't done this in a while. And how many of you guys ever, you know, reminisce like that, you know, or, you know, think back about you know, hey, I remember when I used to do that. I remember when that, or I remember this experience with I think, that. Yeah, it happens a lot. And, you know, it's something that I'm very particular <clears throat> about things. I, I remember pretty well everything. Like, I could tell you, I could tell you, like, things that happened when I was, like, two years old. I have, I have a fairly good, like, long-term memory. Short-term memory is not as good, but long-term memory. I have a great memory. So thinking back, you know, you guys ever think about the day like you got saved or something, you know? And I remember the day I got saved. I was seven years old and just, I can remember the feel in the room. I can remember like the people that were there and just like the atmosphere. We were in this upper room and, and there was felt characters and it was just this, um, this, this wonderful lady that just told me about this man named Jesus. And I remember just sitting there with my legs crossed on the floor, just like in awe, being like mesmerized, like, ah, if that man is who she says he is, I want to know him. I want to know him. And I remember going home and when I got home and I just closed my eyes and I'm laying in my bed in the top bunk and, and I said this little prayer, I said, God, if you are who she said that you are, our family needs food. 
we don't have any food, and so I, we need food. And so I went to sleep, didn't think anything of it, woke up the next morning to a knock at the door, and there was this beautiful couple that was there, and they had bags and bags of groceries. And so as they came in, I was like, you know, in your seven-year-old's brain, you're just like, whoa, like God saw me, God is real, like he brought me food. And then, and then as I'm like rummaging through all of these bags of groceries, all of a sudden I see this golden box of cereal. And I'm like, this is my favorite cereal. And I think, God sees me. He knew exactly what I wanted and he brought it just for me. And you know, like as a kid, you experience these kinds of things. And, and so how many know that I could go back to that nostalgic place of like, you know, when I experienced getting saved. How many of you had an experience like that when you got saved? Like you can remember all of the things that happened around the, the time when you accepted Christ as your Lord. Hey, I want to start reading in Ezra chapter 3. Say Ezra chapter 3. All right, we're going to start. It says, And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with the trumpets, and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with symbols to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. So the first thing I want to point out here is, is that this is not the temple that Solomon built originally, okay? This is, this is now a next phase of this where that temple was destroyed and now they're rebuilding the temple, okay? And so this is in the book of Ezra. And it says they were doing so which was symbols to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of, king, of David, king of Israel. So they got drums out and it says, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever towards Israel. And then it says that all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So I want you to get this, this picture in your mind right now. They're, they're, they're laying the foundation of the house of the Lord. And as they go and they're laying the house of the Lord, they're singing, they're dancing, they're praising God. They got drums going, they got trumpets shouting, they got people who are just happy as can be. You guys ever, they're, they're partying. You guys ever been to a party and celebrate some sort of big triumphant breakthrough in your life? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This is what was going on. They're building the foundation to the house of the Lord. And then it says, in the next verse, it says, But many of the priests and the Levites and heads of the father's house, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundations of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy. So that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard afar off. I think you should kind of do a little, a little demonstration of this. We should have this whole group. I want you guys to be like all cheering and stuff like that. The, these two sections here. These two sections, I want you to like pretend like you're like wailing and crying, okay? On the okay. count of three, as loud as and you I'm can. And I'm going to do the praise side over here, and you okay, can do I'm the wailing, do the wailing side, side, okay? We're, we're going to wail together, okay? All right. One, two, three. Praise Yay! God! Hello! Woo-hoo! Yeah! All right! <laughs> You know, it's, it's crazy. Could you guys distinguish the difference between what was going on? Let me just do it, you know, the two of us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift up, you know, a, a shout, and Sherry's going to lift up a wail over here. You think she can do a whiny wail? All right, you ready? Let's do it on three again. One, two, three. Woo! 
Listen, I, I, I have to admit that this to me is a pretty wild experience, okay? They're having a party and they're having a celebration and the noise of the party is equal to the noise of the people who are weeping. They're wailing and they're weeping and they're crying because they had seen a former glory of the temple of God. I, I just, this, this just is a remarkable experience that I believe that was taking place right there. You know, it's just, I mean, what, what, the, the real question I have is, is, you know, which crowd were you, were they in? You know, it's like, hey, I'm in the partying crowd over here. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, well, I'm on the one over here that's weeping and wailing, you know, right along. And so, anyways, they had seen, and Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Now, I think this is really interesting because this is not, you know, even though this sounds really weird and strange, this isn't necessarily something that's unusual. Okay, how many of you are aware, you know, that a lot of times, you know, people are talking about, you know, how the, the past is better than currently the future. You know, it's like, I remember when my dollar used to be able to buy a whole lot more than today. Okay, and I remember how it was easier to be able to make more money. And I remember how it was nicer, you know, for us to be able to do things with ease and playing and, 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 and more freedom than what we have today. You guys know what I'm talking about? This is, this is a common thing that has, set, that has gone through all of the different centuries, right? This isn't just something that we do today or wasn't something that just took place in the book of Ezra. This is something that is regularly a conflict that occurs. You know, I can remember, you know, you know even like we, we look at all kinds of different things, you know, whether it's, you know, the houses we lived in, you know, the grander churches of the past or different things that we, we come across right now. But each and every phase of these things that we take a look at, we really remember where is the providence of God is really one of the questions that arises in these things. When we take a look at the hard times and we say, okay, where's God's providence in here? He was, was he here in the past? And we murmur and we take a look at it. We proclaim the past was, re was it really better? We proclaim it to be better, but is it? Is it? And so this is here often the, the circumstances that we found ourselves in. You want to know who used to always do this all the time? The children of Israel. The children of Israel were, were no exception to this. And they constantly found themselves in this after I'm, they had got out of the land of Egypt. I'm going to actually kind of read this. In Exodus 16, uh, verse 3, it says, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the po uh, pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so here, you know, we have the children of Israel. This is such an interesting mindset because, you know, God has just miraculously delivered the children of Israel from the hand of bondage. Like they've been in bondage for many, many, many years, many generations. And so now they're been, they've been broken free. They've walked free and now they're in the wilderness and they're like, oh, it was way better in Egypt. And like, could you imagine like, you know, if God brings you uh, out of bondage and he breaks the chains off of your life and then all of a sudden one day you're just like, oh, you know what? It was probably, my life was better when I was in bondage, you know, because you're thinking about other things. Like I had all this money. I had all this stuff. I had friends. I had, I got to go out, all these types of things. And so he's, they're thinking about all the things that happened. So in Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 to 15, I'm not going to necessarily read this all, but I like verse 1 here. 
chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. And so basically what happens is, you know, the children of Israel, they're like, you know what? Um, not too happy with what's going on. You know, we had it better in Egypt, and they're starting to complain. And they're complaining to Moses. And so then the Lord hears their complaining. And he's like, you know what? I am not happy about this. So he sends fire. And so all the outskirts of the camp all starts burning up with fire. So you know what happens? The children of Israel start crying. They're like, oh no, the fire is going to get us. And they're all worried and, you know, they cry out. And so then Moses goes and he prays to the Lord and the Lord stops the fire. The Lord quenches the fire. And so at that point, you'd think that it would be like this, like, you know, moment in their, in their mind of, of just changing things. And now all of a sudden they'd be grateful. But you know what it, ha what, what it says happens? Is that they were pretty hungry, and they ended up falling custom to their hunger, and they decided that they missed all of the good food that they had in Egypt. So here they go, you know, God rescued them, they're complaining, uh, you know, they're hungry, they're complaining, God sends fire, they cry, you know, God rescues them, and then they start complaining again, and they're kind of in this, like, circle of, like, you know, just, like, complaining. How many have ever found themselves in that circle before? <laughs> Where they, they, and, 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 and about food on top of it. Yeah. So they, they said fish, cucumbers, melons, leeks, the onions, onions and the, the garlic. garlic. Mm. You ever, you know what, when we're fasting, you ever feel like that when you're fasting? You're just like, oh, remember the days of when we ate bread? And mm, when you could just smell the turkey roasting in the oven and you're thinking about these things, you're like, wait a second. I only ate eight hours ago. Why am I so like, you know, crazy about, um, about eating food right now? But this is the children of Israel. And so here they are, they're, they're complaining and they're, they're beginning to become nostalgic of, but these things were good in Egypt. And so they're, they're in this process here where they're complaining. They're in this process of where they're trying to go back to um, the story. They're trying to go back to the bondage. They're trying to jump back that to that. And even if we go back to, you know, when he's talking about the temple and when they're rebuilding the temple, is that there was something that happened before when they had the temple. And so then there was this like nostalgic feel of like, oh, but it was so good. It was so great. And, you know, there are times in our lives where we feel like, you know, what? Things were really great at this time. And then you kind of compare it to the times that you're in now and you're like, oh, but I don't feel it right now. And then we try everything to try to get back to that point. And this is what they're doing here in this moment is they're, they're lining everything with this nostalgic feel where they're just feeling kind of like down and out because they're like, you know what? We're walking around in the wilderness here. We've got, you know, no food all, you know, like they had food, but they didn't have all the varieties of food that they had back in Egypt. And they start reminiscing about that. It got so bad that Moses says in chapter, uh, sorry, in that same verse, it says in 14, it says, I am not able to bear all of these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. And, he's, and he's, now he's talking to God and he says, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I have found favor in your sight. And do not let me see my wretchedness. You know, how, how many have ever been in that place, you know, where, you know, you're just around people who are murmuring and complaining, you know, and it's like, you know, you walk in your house and all of a sudden, you know, the kids, you know, are going at it and they're murmuring and complaining and you're just like, I'm done. I, I'm finished. 
And that's what Moses was like in this particular case. Because don't forget this, this is, this is cyclical that's going on with this nostalgic feel. I remember this. I'm going to throw my mom under the bus on this one. Mm-hmm. I, she's going to love me for this. I remember when we were younger and my sister and my brother and I, we used to bicker a lot, like just like little things over nothing real of any relevance or anything. I'm really embarrassed to actually say that, but here's my confession. We used to bicker a lot. And so I remember um, something happened with our car. I had to go into the shop. So we had to drive my dad's car to work and it was a standard and it didn't have power steering. And um, so there was one, two, three, four, five, six of us crammed into this little Ford Escort, okay? And so here we are just like, you know, and and the three of us start bickering back and forth amongst the other people that are in the vehicle. And so we're just, you know, kind of, it's getting heated and heated and heated. And then all of a sudden my mom just like slams on the brakes and she just, she's like, if I'm such a bad mom, then go find another mom. And and I remember like, like the car went silent at that point and we just stopped. But it was such a moment in my life that I remember that, you know what, like I never wanna be like that. I never wanna get to that point of frustration. And then I became a mom and I realized that if you're a mom, it doesn't matter what happens, you're gonna get to that point at some point in your life where you're just gonna be like, rah! And you just like, you're so frustrated. But this is what Moses is feeling in this moment where he's like, you know what, these children, they're just complaining about everything and what am I gonna do? And you put them, you know, you made me uh, take care of them and he's talking God and he's like, you know, you might as well just kill me now because I can't take this anymore. Like he's, he's so just like melodramatic. And sometimes I just want to say that sometimes, you know, they're being a little dramatic. Moses was being dramatic in this time because the children of Israel were, we're being, being dramatic. dramatic. Yes. So C.S. Lewis says that nostalgia is a special emotion of longing. It's often always bittersweet. When we feel nostalgia, we're experiencing a feeling of something that is lost. And at the same time, something perception of of what we long for. And it says in Oxford Dictionary, a sentiment of longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or a place with happy personal associations. There's a few different ways you can say Merriam-Webster says it, a wistful or excessive sentiment yearning to return to some past period of irrecoverable condition or the state of even being homesick. You guys hear that phrase homesick? That was a phrase that came in during the 17th century, even when soldiers were out at war. This is one of the conditions that they diagnosed them with was this nostalgic feeling of being homesick, of wanting to be back at home. And so Wikipedia brings it out this way, and it says the same thing as a sentiment for the past, typically for a period or peace with happy personal associations. But it comes from a compound word, and it says from the first word meaning nostos. How's that sound? Nostos, N-O-S-T-O-S. You guys got that? Someone can probably say it better than me. But that means homecoming or return. And the second word is algos, which is meaning sorrow, pain, or despair. And literally what it, it's really being translated as saying, it's, it's basically saying that the, fe- the literal meaning of nostalgia is suffering evoked by the desire to return to one's place of origin. That's really what, it's, what the two words together are talking about when we talk about nostalgia. So they have this desire, right, to return home, but there's a pain associated with it. There's a despair. There's a loss that's uh, in, in that particular place. This is, you know, when people feel nostalgic, you know, you hear this phrase. How many of you ever use a phrase, the good old days? I remember when, 
You know, the good old days when I could, you know, X, Y, Z, you plug it all in for you. And, and, you know, these are phrases that we think about. You know, we, we say it all the time in different circumstances. We say, you know, with our children. We say it, you know, with, uh, you know, our workplaces. We say, you know, within our churches. You know, I remember the good old days. And so when you do that, what happens is, is that there's a pre... I, I, want, you, I want to read this out to you because I believe this is really important the way that it's, it's written. It says there's a, is a predisposition caused by a bias such as a rosy retrospective, okay, for people to view the past more favorably than the future and the future more negatively. When we apply this to one's beliefs about a society or institution, you know what it's actually called? It's actually called declinism, okay? So what's happening here is, is that we believe that basically the, the past is always a more favorable condition than the future. Okay, so even when we get into declinism, so if we would say the nation of Canada or the U.S. had a, a much better past, okay, and that we are never going to be able to achieve the past that once was the glory of Canada or the glory of North America, but now we are on an irrevocable decline, okay, and as we move forward, that is what we are referring to in this particular state. And often what happens is it tricks our mind into these moments when we're triggered often by stress, that we trick ourselves into that snuggle up feeling of, I remember, you know, I might be going through something rough right now, but I remember, you know, the, the good old days. And I remember the warmth of those good old days. And it actually says that when we apply even all of these circumstances into what we call social, social memories, okay, there's a social connection that what it really actually triggers even on the inside of us is loneliness. Because we remember all of those different associations and the connections with people during those moments of time. And really then it leaves you with the moment of loneliness that is taking place with you right now. Mm -hmm. So in um, now the question goes is that, you know, doesn't God say in his word many, many times, remember, remember. So if God is telling us to remember, which is looking back at things, but yet this nostalgic kind of feeling that Pastor Brian's talking about bears kind of loneliness and, and hurt feelings, then, then what is the difference between that? And in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, it says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. First Chronicles 16, 12 says, remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Deuteronomy 5, 15 says, and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord, your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord, your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So here's the thing. We're talking about how, you know, the children of Israel, they were going through this moment where they were, or this moment, lots of moments where they're thinking back to the past and they were looking longingly at the past. You know, we know the story of um, Lot's wife and she, she longingly looked for the past and she turned into a pillar of salt. But what happens is that God says that he wants us to actually remember what he did for us. And so we're not supposed to long for the things, the things, the things in the past, but we're supposed to remember about his goodness. We're supposed to remember his power. We're supposed to remember what he accomplished for us and how he did it and then glorify him for that. And it's kind of like this is that, um, you know, 
Pastor Brian talking about going on on the date and reminiscing and, you know, it's kind of like old times and stuff like that. He could have recreated every single thing in that, in that place on that date. But if I wasn't there, guess what? He wouldn't have been able to recreate it. Do you know why? Because my presence was not there. And my presence was a key component to that memory. And this is what God has called us to do. It's the same thing with, with when you get saved. You know, you think about all the things that happened and all the things surrounding you in that moment when you got saved. And you can try to recreate all of those things. But if you don't bring God's presence with you, then you're never going to be able to recreate that. And you're never going to be able to get back to that place. Because his presence is that key component in in our life and to be able to remember and to be able to recreate those things. And so there's a difference between having this nostalgic, like longingly look for the past, like, oh, things were so good in the past. And, and you know, that we had food back then. And then a difference between, you know what? I was in that land and we were protected in that land because God's hand was with me, because God was with us, because God is glorified, because he is the king of kings, because he is the Lord of lords, because he is with me always. And I'm going to bring him into every single step of my life. I'm not going to leave him back there. I don't want to recreate things just to try to, f just to feel empty inside, just to feel lonely again. And you know, there's so many Christians that are walking around and they're trying to get that feeling back of what they had. But what they're missing is that they're not going after God's presence. What they're doing is they're, they're trying to uh, put all the things, but we have to remember that it's through all those things, but with his presence that brings us where we need to be. And that kind of wraps up kind of that part on, on nostalgia is, is that what happens in that is, is that you're looking to the past for fulfillment. And when you look to the past for fulfillment, what you're doing is you're missing or denying God's presence in the, in the current present day that you are in and the future beyond. And that is what is taking place because you're, you're, de you're denying that God. So when they look back at what was happening with the temple that was being built, okay? They were looking back about the fulfillment of where God was and what he was doing in the earth when Solomon built that first temple. But what they were forgetting about is they forgot what God was doing right there and then in their presence with the construction of the new foundation being laid. And so what I want to do right now is we want to take a look at some of the differences between nostalgia and godly remembrance. All right. That's what we're going to go through right now. And the first thing that I want to bring out is gratitude versus ingratitude. You know, when we were, when I was, when I was working on doing this message, one of the things that I was actually going to title it was nostalgia, the enemy of gratitude. Because when you go through nostalgic thinking, what is really happening on the inside is really that of ingratitude. Because what we're doing is we're focusing in on the past instead of the present and the future. The past was better. The past was more fulfilling. Right, And we deny, as I said, what God is doing for us right now in this present day. What he's doing in this new process for us. And it says that when the men of old, right, that's what they did. They were, they were all 
worried right now. They were all looking at the past temple. When, when the children of Israel, what did they do? They were sitting there in the same situation that manna from heaven, a miracle in itself, was being provided for them each and every day for the fulfillment that they needed. And yet they were thinking about the fruits of Egypt, the cucumbers of Egypt, the leeks of Egypt. And so they were all going back. And what happens is, is that it brings them to a place of ungratefulness. But godly remembrance always brings you to a place of the faithfulness of God. You remember that God was faithful when I was in Egypt and when he pulled me out of Egypt. And he is faithful for me now to be able to provide for me that which I need. See, Psalms 111.4 says, He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. In Psalm 63.3 it says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Our past experiences are meant to be springboards for our laughs. They're meant to spring forth the faithfulness of God as a remembrance for us and our thanksgiving. It didn't matter whether you have a bad past or a good past or a hopeless past. What we need to know is that in each and every moment of it, that Christ is our living hope. And because he's our living hope, he was there when we were there. And he's there and he's present with us today. And he'll be present with us tomorrow in the future because he is our living hope and we can walk in the abundance of gratitude towards God in that process. I wonder how many miracles we've missed simply because of ingratitude. Mm -hmm. They missed the miracle of the manna because they were looking longingly on the past because they were they were not grateful in that moment for God's provision and sometimes God's provision this isn't in my notes so I just feel that this is something that God is saying is that God's provision isn't always going to look exactly as you think it's going to look it might not be exactly as you expect it but what he says is that I will provide for you because he says I am Jehovah Jireh the Lord your provider and so when he provides for you if you are operating in an attitude of ungratefulness what will happen is you will begin to see past the miracle and you will not experience God's provision because you are longing, longingly looking for something that you expect it to be instead of just trusting God to be who he is and to be able to provide for you the way that he needs to provide for you because the way that he provides for you is the way that you need it for your life for things to come. See, if, if God were to just bring them back into Egypt and say, okay, I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to bring you back to the, to the leeks and to the, the uh, garlic and all of those things, what would happen is that they're, they're going to forget who God is because they're, they're walking past the point of the miracle and they're going back to the bondage. God has not called us to walk back to the bondage. He's called us to walk in his provision. So the second thing is hope versus despair. Pastor Brian was just talking a little bit, bit about this. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. First Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, godly remembrance will begin to produce a joy in our life. It'll begin to produce things where you have an expectation an excitement, a longingly looking forward because you know that you are bringing him into every moment of your life. See, as Pastor Brian was talking before, you know, you have, when, when you have that, that nostalgic looking at the past, you, you have this like despair kind of thing, like, you know what, there's, 
It can't get better from here. Nothing ever goes good anyways. I always get the short end of the stick and you just kind of go down this rabbit trail and you kind of uh, tumble down uh, this hill instead of stopping things and saying, God, no, I know that you are my living hope. I know that it's you that is who is alive inside of me. And I have that to look forward to, that I don't have to be lost in the darkness and I don't have to be filled with despair because I have the hope of glory on the inside of me. Then the next, next comparison between the two is truth and deception. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, nostalgia leads out of a place of our emotions. Okay, it's not leading out of a place of faith. It's leading out of our emotions in the flesh. And it says that the heart of man is wicked and is deceitful. And you know what happens? You're dece you can walk into deception when you're being led by the emotions and the flesh. When the children of Israel said it was better in Egypt, they were say what they were saying was deception. It was not better in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They're out walking now as free men and women, right? That God had set them free, but yet they were in a place where they were remembering only that which their flesh desired at that moment in time. That there is what happens when we don't walk and do the godly remembrance. When we walk in godly remembrance, you know what it says? It says in God's word, it says that the truth shall set us free. And when we walk in the ways with godly remembrance, it reminds us of the goodness of God. It reminds us of that faithfulness of God. It reminds us of the truth of what things were and what things are now and what things are going to be. And that is how we align our faith is with the truth of what God has to say. So the fourth thing is conviction versus condemnation. Ephesians 2 verse 12 says that at that time you are without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See, back in our Egypt, we were without God. With back in, back in, in bondage, we didn't have freedom. We didn't, we didn't know what it was like. But now that we've been brought out of that, now that we've been pushed through and, and the chains have been broken off of our life, we should be led to salvation. We should be led to repentance. We should be led to um, good works. We should be led to go further rather than, you know, being, being caught in condemnation and, and thinking about the things that happened. And, and it just really makes you, it brings a condemnation in your life when you constantly are looking back to the things. It's, it's like, it's holding you back, but as it's holding you back, it's, it's pulling you down, it's pulling you backwards. And, and that's because the chains are actually being dug into the ground to hold you there. And so you're, you're going backwards and you're going down. But what you need to do is break free from that. And as you have that godly remembrance, you're moving forward. And it should bring you unto repentance and unto salvation. And it makes you think about things like, you know what? Today, God, I just want to have a heart after you. And if there's anything in my heart that... I don't know what's going on, or maybe there's something that's hidden in my heart. I ask that you reveal it to me, not for condemnation, not to be held over my head, but so that I can repent of it and I can move forward. See, we don't, when it comes to sin in our life, we almost have this thought process like, like we don't want to call sin for what it is. We don't want to talk about the vileness of what sin is. But if we don't actually talk about or realize or understand the vile thing that sin is, then we're never going to truly be able to walk unto salvation. We're never truly going to be able to receive what he did for us on the cross because we're going to just be thinking it's not really that big of a deal. 
And so when we go into this, this mode of godly remembrance, it brings us to godly sorrow, and it brings us to a heart of repentance, and it brings us to a place where we can actually just stand before him and say, God, you know what? My heart is completely yours, and I trust you to show me what's going on inside of my heart. Because how many know the heart can be deceitful? And so you might think that things are, are going well in there, but if you don't keep it in check and you don't ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you, you might just keep get, going down a pathway that you shouldn't be going down, not knowing because you haven't been inquiring of the Lord. The last one that I want to talk about the point is that of faith versus unbelief. See, when the children of Israel were in this place of this nostalgic feel, they're, they're thinking back upon the, the, the ways of Egypt. Uh, what actually took place is that they were neglecting, I told you, the provision of what God was doing in their lives at that particular moment. And they found themselves walking in a place of unbelief and in rebellion. And I know that sounds really, really almost even harsh, right? Where their unbelief led to rebellion. But it says in Psalms 106, 7, it says, Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea and of the Red Sea. So here they were walking in rebellion because of their unbelief. They found themselves, really, this is where they were. They, they didn't remember the faithfulness of God delivering them out of the hand of Pharaoh as they left Egypt and walked towards the Red Sea. They, they forgot about that. They only remembered certain elements of things. And because they didn't remember the faithfulness of God, they found themselves in a place of unbelief and rebellion, actually, towards God. And what happens in this place is that they no longer, right? What does nostalgia do? It dwells on the fulfillment of the past. And it neglected the fact that God was providing for them right as they approached even where the Red Sea was. And because they didn't do that, they weren't faithful to be able to take the direction of what Moses was actually declaring to them and where they were to follow. So the next thing that takes place, as I want to read, is, is in Hebrews 11.8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed, and, it was, and he was called to go to the place which he would receive an inheritance, and he went out, not even knowing where he's going. Faith and obedience, you know what happens? They go hand in hand. That's what happened with Abraham. He went in obedience and it was accounted to him as faith. And because of that, right, he went through all of these circumstances. But we need to know that we need to take a look at whether or not we are walking in faith and obedience, remembering the faithfulness of God in the past, as well as how that applies to us now and in the future. So when we started off and we're talking about, you know, um, in Ezra and Zerubbabel rebuilding the temple, um, there was a conflict between the past and the present. And there is going to be conflict in your life where the enemy is going to try to get you to be stuck in the past, to dwell on the past, to be able to uh, just kind of um, not be able to move forward. And, you know, the Bible says don't despise the day of small beginnings. Because there is something that God is doing. And when you bring God into the present, you have to bring his presence into the present. Because if you don't bring his presence into the present, then you are stuck in the past. And you're stuck on the things. And you're stuck on, on the, all the external circumstances. And you won't be able to break free. And you won't be able to go forward. And you won't be able to encounter the new thing that God is doing. 
See, if they were stuck on the old temple and on the past, and if they would have stuck on wailing and, and just being completely um, it, like um, stuck in that, then they would never have been able to rebuild the temple and experience the newness of God dwelling there. See, it's God's presence. We have to be after his presence. We have to be in his presence. We have to bring him with us. And I even feel, wanna, let's all stand to our feet. I feel that, I just, I keep feeling there's, there's a pro prophetic in here, but I feel that God has called, there's somebody in here that God has called you to do something. He's blatantly asked you to do it. He's told you to do it. You've had confirmation on doing it. You even tried to do it and you felt like you were failing and you got sucked into the, it was better in Egypt. It was, it was better before because I was provided for, because I had everything taken care of. But God is saying that as you are still stuck and you were, you're keeping a foot in that chain, and if you would just trust me in my provisions, then you'll be able to flourish in that thing that I've called you to do. He says, if you would just do it with everything in your might, if you would just um, break off every thought, everything that is holding you captive um, be in your mind, then he will be able to bring you to greater heights. See, when he says, open the floodgates of heaven, when we were, when we were singing this this morning, when he says, open the floodgates of heaven, it's his presence that is flowing out. It's his presence that we need. And too many times as Christians, we get to this point where we think like, it, it's, it's messy in that flow. I don't, I don't want to fully be immersed in that because, because it's good out here. It's dry out here. It's okay out here. But God is saying, if you're crying out to me to open the windows of heaven, then you've got to take my presence with you. And I think what he's saying today is what do you want from the floodgates opening up? What do you want? What are you expecting? What do you need from these floodgates opening up? He says, no matter what, my presence must go with you. You have to take him with you in every day, every moment. You have to take him with you. You know, as Pastor Sherry was sharing on that, the, despise not the day of small beginnings, what had actually happened is, is that Ezra had went and started to build the temple and then this, the circumstances came on and then other conflicts went on. And then 16 years later, they hadn't finished constructing or working on the temple. It was all delayed. And then it says that Zechariah comes and the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah. And Zechariah goes and says, and, and says, go speak to the people. And it says, and then another message came to me from the Lord. And he said, Zerubbabel, is the one who laid the foundation of the temple and he will complete it. Zerubbabel was the one who started building that foundation. And he says, and then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin and see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. And this is the part that I think, you know, a lot of times when we read those, those passages of scriptures, we're not really understanding what's going on. But basically Zechariah is saying, Stop looking at the past. I'm here and I'm pleased and I'm happy 
with what is being built and what is going on right now in my presence is here. And so he tells the people, and then you know what happens? They find, they, they get it. They start looking now about God being there and the, and the construction continues. Paul says here in Philippians 3, it says, Brethren, do not, I do not count myself to be apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, Paul sums it up. He gets it. I don't look to the past for my fulfillment. I'm looking forward to what God is doing in my life right now. And I'm looking forward to what he's going to continue to do as I walk forward. Because God is in the relationship and God is present with me. I don't need to long for the fulfillment of God who was just 20 years ago. I can be here and know that the fulfillment of God in my life is right now. And it's going to continue tomorrow and next week and the following month. Because when God talks about doing a new thing, he's doing a new thing because today each day is new. God is here. God is with you. God is present with you. And we need to move past the past and move forward into the forwardness of what God is doing in our lives. Amen. You with me? Let's pray. You want to pray? Why don't you pray for the people? Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are with us even here in this moment, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you see every cry in this room. Father, I thank you that you've heard every prayer that's been prayed and every question of God, when are you going to provide? And Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that as we just change things in our heart and we just offer up thanksgiving and gratitude, we exchange it for maybe the, the discontentment that we've had or that sad, lonely feeling that we've, we've held on to. God, we exchange it for gratitude. And I thank you that in that exchange that we'd be able to see the miracle that is in front of us. God, you are faithful. You are faithful then. You are faithful now. You will be faithful forever. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we know that we can have you at your word. We can believe you at your word. And so today, God, I thank you that we would be able to leave here with hearts of gratitude, that we'd be able to leave here with thoughts of hope and excitement for the future and what you are doing. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're just even opening up the eyes of our understanding to be able to see where you are leading us to and what you are doing. Father, I thank you that you brought us out of Egypt and you are bringing us into the promised land today. In Jesus' name. Have a wonderful week. If you need prayer, come on up to the front. Our teams will be up at the front. And uh, we will see you all at the Lighthouse. my life now I'm live yay <laughs> all right welcome to the after nine show thank you Vincent Vincent stepped in for me today um, we had a very busy morning but it's always great to come and meet at the house of God amen um, today is Sunday November 19th yeah 
2023. <laughs> and we had our message preached by our very own pastors, Brian and Sherry Shimatero on the title, uh, Nostalgia. So a lot of things were brought up in the message today. And if you're just joining us right now, I would encourage you to go back to the beginning of this and watch service first and then come talk to us after because it might make a little bit more sense. Amen. Did you get anything? Oh, first of all, my name is Sarah Quinlan and this is Christine LaBeouf. If you don't know who we are, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically what we do after service is we like to meet at the After 9 show and kind of talk about things that we took away, little nuggets that stood out to us, maybe revelation that we might have had during the service, um, just to kind of like have like a little icebreaker with you if you're joining us online today. Amen. So was there anything that stood out to you first before we get into things? The definite difference between nostalgia and uh, remembering uh, the past. Yeah. You know, um, I found that there are areas of nostalgia that are nice. Yeah. But you can't stay there because yep. that was in the past. That's right. But you can certainly reflect on the past and all the wonderful things that God has done in your life. And those are those memorials and those stones that you build in your life in order that you continue to prosper and be grateful and joyful in the future. That's right. I think that's great. And I, I you know, I, I was listening as, uh, I was thinking as pastors Brian and Sherry were talking about nostalgia, about, um, things that we're nostalgic for so mm -hmm. right like for me it's fashion like I feel like you know certain eras of fashion are starting to like seep back in to um to today you know I had these bracelets when I was like I don't know 12 and they were like little Italian charms that would link together do you remember those mm -hmm. and I had them and I loved it and I had like four or five of them on and they would always pinch my wrists or whatever and then I saw a post for them the other day. It's like, these are great. You can link them together. They're bracelets. And I was, I was like, ew, like that's so ugly. Why would I ever, <laughs> you know, but it's things that sometimes they come back that happened in the, you know, and that's what I was thinking today during service is that sometimes when we were in those glory days or like the days of old, yeah. sometimes things come back. And, um, you know, I, I think it's what we take away from those days is what, is important to us and it's not it's not sitting there like they like the people uh the israelites did and say oh things were better when we were in egypt mm -hmm. but it's saying oh like look at this little nugget of something that reminds me of back then oh i'm grateful for that time but today i have a good bracelet mm -hmm. that's in style and not ugly <laughs> see one uh, one nostalgic thing that i often think of is uh in in the world and uh was smaller yeah back in the older days so you had more relationships with family etc yeah. life wasn't as busy yeah and that is one thing that i do look back to and but what it does it spurs me in this day and age to make sure that i work at keeping family together yeah and so that's that's sort of a good nostalgia that, that you can have. Yeah. But if you're always back in the good old days, yeah. when you really look at it, I'll tell you, good old days weren't always that great. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna, others are gonna look back at today when they're older and say the good old days, but you know what? 
they aren't always that great. There's some wonderful memories in the good old days, yeah. but we have to look forward to the future and what God has That's right. and uh, walk in faith and not in fear yeah. and know that God is in control and he's got everything right where it needs to be for the time that we are in. That's right. You know, I, I was listening to the psychologist talking about um, trauma and mm -hmm. it's, if you face a trauma in a certain age, sometimes if that person doesn't recover from that, yep. they stay that age. Yes. So they could be 45, but they're still 16. The behavior pattern in that, in that particular thing. Stays yeah. because they haven't healed from that yep. and they weren't able to grow. And so I think if we look back and say, oh, this is how I acted when I was 20, you know, mm -hmm. today I'm 32. It's good to know that I've changed. It's good to know that I've matured. Okay. It's good to know that I'm not the same. And I, I think it's because we need to grow and we need to change from day to day, you know, yes, from, from glory to glory, we need to grow. And, um, I, I've always been thinking about that just lately. Cause I kind of, that, that theory kind of messed me up that if you get so broken that you get stunted in that spot and you never grow, it's, it's like, I don't want that. You know, I want to look back and as I age, look back in, in fondness of that time and not be stuck there. That's right big difference yeah. yeah because i i just think you know god has more for us than just for today you know and i think that he says to um what's that verse that says do not worry about tomorrow for today has enough trouble of its own i think it could still work in reverse do not worry about yesterday because today has enough troubles what we have to realize is life is stepping stones yeah and we build on those stepping stones yeah. and when we uh see that we've had trauma in our in our past or whatever, we can look at it and say, I can use this mm -hmm. for good. That's right. I can be healed of this. I mean, actually address the situation. Yeah. I can be healed of this because there's someone I may meet in my future yeah. that I can minister to in this area. Yep. And uh, like you said, you don't want to be held back by that. No. There's too much in the future, too many things to experience. Um, I'm, I'm 76. <gasps> I know. <laughs> And you know what? It's so easy for me to look back and say, oh my gosh, all the things I've experienced in life, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't want to be anywhere other than where I am today. It's because of all those things that I am who I am today. Right. Yeah. And in, in, if I'm still alive in 10, 20 years from now, I want to be able to look back and say, thank you for the stepping stones that I've even done That's right. that are, are still coming. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just think that, you know, even like what the Israelites said about, oh, it's better for us in Egypt. It's like they were in bondage. They were stuck, you know, yeah. and it's not it's not better. It just wasn't better. But they had things that they were like they didn't have to worry about, you know. So looking back and saying, oh, it was better for me here. It's, it really wasn't because today is the day that the Lord has made. Yeah. Today is the day. Yeah. And so, yeah. Go, sorry. And often we're, we're fear based. Yeah. Okay. And that's why we often do get stuck because we're afraid of the future. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of what God has for us mm -hmm. and we haven't fully trusted him. That's right. And this is where faith, we need to develop our faith and know that God is who he says he is and yes. he will take care of us and take care of our needs. Yes. And uh, I always tell the girls in my mentor group, um, you become what you behold. Oh, that's good. So you can behold fear and anxiety and yeah. oh my gosh, this and that. Or you can behold God yeah. and his promises. And the other part of beholding God and his promises is knowing his word. Yep. You got to get in your Bible. Yes. You got to get to know what the word says yep. and it will give you hope. 
and it will give you a good future. Yes. And you don't have to function in fear and anxiety. Yes. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, it says in Ephesians 3, 20 to 22, I believe, that it says that I will do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. Yes. And I think I think it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of trust it does. to be able to sit here and, and just be in this day and be in this moment and just say, God, regardless of circumstances, regardless of situations that I, I trust you. And I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow. You know, I really quickly, I'll just share this. Um, Pastor Brian and I have been talking about uh, different mentalities we, we need to be having as people that are um, like just doing new things in the church. And something he said that he wants to encourage us and I, I believe like our core team to be builders and to think forward and to try things that haven't haven't ever tried before. And it might not work, but it might, you know, and if it and it you know, we've seen that this year, like we got the play and we've got a lot of things that we didn't think would work, but did. And it was successful and beautiful and awesome. And, and that's just something that I want to just reflect in my own personal life is I want to do things that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. I want to be someone that I've never been before because it might work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what God wants for us is to be brave, to risk new things and not to stay stuck in the days of old. Often it's uh, you say you have not because you ask not. Yeah. And so part of part of moving forward, part of experiencing new things is saying, God, lead us and guide us in the new things yeah. and give us the strength to to do them, but also give us the courage to move forward. That's right. And whether it is a success or not, at least we've had that experience. Yes. And it's okay to fail. It's okay to, you it know, is. make a whoops. You just get back up and you keep going. That's right. <laughs> well, I had fun with you today. I had fun too. I like doing the show with you. Um, well, as always, um, we will see you tomorrow at 630 at mm -hmm. the Lighthouse. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble. Um, and if you need help accessing any of those things, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to help you get connected to us. Um, we do have Lighthouses all over Windsor, Essex, um, even in Harrow, believe it or not. Yes. People pray in Harrow. So <laughs> I guess people do pray, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> people do pray. So if you want to get connected to an in-person lighthouse, we would love to get you set up. So reach out to us, info at i9church.com, or you can shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. But um, I think that's all we have for today. Just a reminder about the Who's My Neighbor announcement mm -hmm. that will be starting up soon. Um, so just keep in mind someone that you might be able to nominate. But uh, I think that's everything that we have. Sounds good. We love you and we wish you the best Sunday of your life. Amen. Amen.